everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fairy Conclave. This is episode number 64. I'm one of your hosts, Alec. My pronouns are he, him. And joining me on the line, it's Jerem. How are you doing today, Jerem? I am doing incredible. Thank you for asking. My pronouns are he, him. And today we have an extra special guest joining us today. Dan, welcome to the Fairy Conclave. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, My pronouns are he, him as well. Awesome. But yeah, so Dan has been um, kind of in our like in-person playgroup for, I don't know, at least like six months now for um, a lot of uh, 2021. And it's been a blast. And one of the things that has really stuck with me about Dan's um, deck building and play style is that you love to play mono white decks, which is, um, it's not something that I've run into very frequently. And so that's why we decided to bring Dan on for this episode, because um, we're going to be talking all about Mono White today. Yeah, I've just always enjoyed um, Mono White, and like even my decks that play multiple colors usually end up feeling like Mono White splashing green or splashing some other color. So I don't know for sure what it is, but I just love love playing it. We're going to be talking about like, in just a moment, Alec and I aren't very well versed in mono white. And as we were writing this episode, we were like, we got to have a guest come on and help us. We, I don't think we can do this by ourselves quite easily. So I'm really glad we have someone to, to go through this journey with us as we explore the ins and outs of mono white. Yeah, I'm very excited. It'll be a good time. And before we get started, though, we're going to quickly shout out um, another content creator in the community with our community spotlight. And today's Community Spotlight is going to be the Quintessential Commander series from Gameshaven, which is on YouTube. Um, And the reason why I think this is a cool YouTube channel, it's um, an in-person commander-like gameplay. And the reason I like it is because it is pretty fast-paced. Like, I've kind of reached a point where a lot of the um, commander content, where it's like gameplay-related... Uh, moves a little bit too slow, so I get kind of bored sometimes. Um, but this, it's like very nicely edited and it's fast paced, and uh, each player is kind of like explaining their actions as they go. Um, and yeah, and I, I like it a lot, so definitely check it out. We'll have some links in the episode description below. And I think it's, it's definitely a cool channel that uh, deserves yeah. some recognition. Yeah, I actually this past week I discovered Quintessential Commander when I was I had my normal sources for uh, Commander gameplay on YouTube had gone out and I'd already been all cut up and I went through and watched a bunch of their videos and I definitely agree that they are really good at you know setting good pace for gameplay and it's really fast and fun and interesting so definitely want to throw our endorsement their way so yeah but the whole reason we're here now. Let's dive into to mono white. So, I think the first thing we want to that we you know we mentioned earlier is that neither Alec or I have mono white decks. So, Dan, why don't we use your decks as an example because we don't have any that we can use as we think about this episode. Okay, yeah. So I've got two mono white decks that I play, um, and both of them are Innistrad themed. I really like Innistrad. So I have Avacyn um, as one of my commanders, and then I have Adeline as my other commander. And um, so the, the Avacyn deck, 
really really is able to just function with having big angel beaters and have an occasional board wipe that becomes one-sided because of Avacyn's protective influence. And then Adeline's just super low to the ground. Just that typical white weenie going to go wide with a bunch of tokens and, and try to overwhelm people. So, yeah, I, I'm really excited to talk about both of these decks because um, it, definitely I played against the Avacyn deck quite a few times. And first of all, it's definitely very blinged out. Like you have a lot of the masterpieces and um, you have the kind of like judge promo Avacyn, which I definitely appreciate that. I really like to see um, somebody kind of like put a lot of effort into making their deck look really pretty. Yeah, yeah, that deck is definitely the deck I've put the most work into. It's my first commander deck and it's definitely definitely seen a lot of ups and downs and yeah it's it's always it's always fun to make changes for the better yes yeah and i think the the other thing that i really like about this deck is just having avison as your commander kind of like starts the game with this clock where no matter what's happening like i'm always looking over to see how close to eight mana you are because as soon as Avacyn comes down, it's extremely difficult to interact with anything because she gives all of your permanents indestructible. So I'm like, all right, I got to make sure I keep an eye on that before, um, yeah. before it's too late. Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. I think then, it's cool that these two decks really represent two interesting ideals, how you have like Avacyn, like just one really big buffed up creature. You have a ton of cool equipment and then, you know, you're... Adeline deck, you said it's a lot lower to the ground, lots of creatures, and so I think it's cool that we're able to see this spread across these two decks. That will be that that's awesome to see. Yeah. I okay, so I'm excited. Let's um dive into some of our I guess intro questions to get into these decks. And our first one is um what inspired you to build these decks? So like Avison was your first deck. Um what got you into building it in the first place? So I think um, what I love about white and is just so important about white is the protective elements that white brings to the table. So I, I loved the idea that I could have this big angel that could win the game on her own, but then also play a board wipe that then just becomes one-sided with her. So it's kind of, it's like Cyclonic Rift with more steps. Mm -hmm. Where it's, where it's like, okay, I have to have my angel stay on the board, but if I if I have her and then I cast um, Wrath of God, now now all my creatures are fine. And so, like, Teferi's protection, those kinds of effects are, are definitely my favorite parts of white, where someone's like, hey, I'm going to do something drastic or ruin your board and then be able to just be like it's not a counter spell in that same regard of like getting to just choose what to do but it's like well actually i'm going to just protect myself from that negative effect shelter myself from that board wipe and so i i think it's effects like that that really pull me to white and and keep me wanting to play white because it's it's not just dictated based on my desires it's kind of dictated based on the gameplay and other people's motives and so it 
I've not gotten bored playing Avicen mm-hmm. and I've been it for five years because it's like always like there's so many games I've won because people don't take me serious because I'm mono white or people like it's just, it's just, there's just weird weird uh, politics that go into to white because it's like well I'm about protecting my community so I'm only going to get more resources off of my land tax if you have more than me or like so you just get those different weird weird things that kind of are based on what's going on game to game that other colors don't necessarily have that same gameplay of yeah i think that is a really cool aspect of white that not a lot of people consider because uh, when you're going to build other colored decks it's it's more like okay let's get ramp um, interaction and uh, card drawn here and that's like all you need plus whatever else you're doing but mm-hmm. um, yeah, kind of like setting aside a portion of the deck for um, protective spells, kind of like give you advantage in other ways that might not be as obvious as like drawing cards or things like that. And that, that makes me think of um, a couple of my favorite cards in my Queen Marchesa deck, are, which are white cards, are uh, comeuppance and yeah. um, effects like that where you're like it depends on what your opponent is doing but when they like target you with something you can flip it back around on them I really enjoy doing mm. things like that yeah so would you say that that's the same vibe you have also with your Adeline deck that um, or is that just a completely different uh, game plan or would you say that strategy is you know rings true for both of your mono white decks yeah, I think, I mean, I definitely think that they're they're pretty distinctly different. Um, and, and I think a big reason is that, like, the budgets are different. And so, like, you kind of have to interact with with the gameplay differently. So, like, Avacyn being an 8-drop, I've invested in some of the better mana rocks that the game has. Whereas Adeline... I've got to just keep the curve low because it's like, well, I don't have some of those better mana rocks or the ramp spells to compensate for some of white's weaknesses. And so then um, you have those, those kinds of things. Um, But I also think that a big part of white that it's okay that people don't want to play, but it is an important thing to discuss is stacks pieces. Um, Mm. So, like, I would say the reason why those decks are drastically different is because Avacyn has, like, 18 stacks pieces, whereas Adeline, if it has any, none are coming to mind. So I would consider them, like, soft stacks pieces, if that makes sense, where it's not, like, as aggressive as, like, an Aura of Silence, where it's, like, as soon as it hits the table, anyone that's playing artifacts and enchantments is like, oh, geez, why are we dealing with this? Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I've seen a lot of people who build mono-white decks will often include a couple more stacksy cards or, or cards that uh, kind of like bring your opponents back back a little bit. And whenever that happens, whenever I see that in a mono-white deck, I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's something that white has a strength in that the other colors don't. So I think it makes a lot of sense to lean into that, um, especially if you have... Uh, more of a like higher budget type deck where you can uh, kind of yeah use other cards to play around that and turn it into an advantage for yourself yeah well and i think rule zero is super important for all this and that's why i have have the two decks but like like you're saying 
the stacks effects are so good at like it's like well i can't ramp but if i'm taxing my opponents their ramp is now negated by the fact that they have to pay taxes and and i think it's it's again like looking at white through and i think it's true for all the colors but i've spent the most time with white where if you look at it through the lens of like color identity a lot of those things make sense why they're in white white is so driven by community and about protecting that community well something that people do to protect a community is they make more rules and that's all stacks pieces are is i'm changing the rules mm. to the game i'm saying hey i'm making this law so that it's fair for everyone and obviously those things can become corrupted i think it's pretty typical to assume like oh black is evil or like to just assume different colors have like alignments but like elish norn is one of the most vile villains in the game and yeah. is a monologue card right and right so it's it's that community but it's taken in the wrong way it's not it's not a healthy community so to speak so it's it's one of those things where it's when you look at each color of like okay there's going to be different alignments within that color where the focus is still like with red you've got freedom is very at the focus but like it it just impacts the design of cards but it also it i think it's helpful when playing those different colors to remember what the ideals of that color are so that you're remembering why a card it's like well why doesn't this just play like a green card it's like well the ideals of white aren't always the same as green. So you're not just going to run a creature out the same way that you would if you were playing green or whatever, where you're like, well, I actually need to leave some mana open for my Teferi's protection. It's like, I am an aggro deck, but my strength is protecting my creatures. So if I leave open three mana, if someone tries to ruin my community, I'm prepared for it, so to speak. And so it's just kind of like when you have that mindset change of like what's the strengths of my color i think that it it improves the gameplay because you're playing to the strengths of each color as opposed to trying to play a color the way that you play a different color so i love this dialogue a lot because i feel like it, even now even just in this conversation i feel like my mindset has been shifted because generally when I think of mono white, I'm like, oh, there's not enough card draw, there's not enough mana ramp, blah, blah, blah. And I, I tend to just lean on the, the fact that oh, I, I don't like mono white. I just don't like it. And I write it off. But I feel like this dialogue, people need to hear that because it's like, oh, like you're right. Like mono white does have strengths and its strength is community. And when you look at it through that lens and you build in that way, like it becomes an amazing color. So I think that this conversation needs to be shared. I hope people, you know, listening to this will be motivated and you know be almost reinvigorated towards white because i think that this is awesome i totally agree and i also like what you said about how white has the power to change the rules of the game to be uh it's like force equality on the table and uh i think that's definitely something that white can do really well that should be taken more advantage of like um, one card that I'm a big fan of is Avon Mind Sensor, and mm. um, and partially it's because Commander as a format is kind of uh, intended to be chaotic with card choices. Like you, you're not supposed to really know uh, what you're going to draw in any given game, 
And so I'm always like interested in ways to stop people from tutoring cards from their libraries. Um, so Avon Mind Sensor is a huge win for me because it doesn't fully stop that from happening. They still get to look at the top four instead, but um, it drastically reduces that effect um, and it affects the whole table. So yeah, like like yeah. you were saying, it it just makes a new rule for the quote unquote community. It's like you know you can still search your library, but it's going to be in a more fair quote unquote fair or more controlled in a more controlled way. So I think you know it's just it's a very mono white thing to do. Like I, that makes sense. You know, I just I think looking at Aven Mind Sensor as an example, I think that's it just fits so well into the quote unquote community of of white. I think that's cool. Yeah, and one other thing I think about um, as you were going through um, talking about that was the the idea of playing one color as though it's another color, and that's something I've thought about a lot because a lot of people do uh, the thirty two deck challenge where they just kind of like make a deck of each color combination just to like have completed it, I guess, as like a task. And I have often thought about how that's like not very satisfying to me because I feel like I would kind of, uh, I have, I have like a general template for decks that I'll kind of start off building with. And I feel like when you're building that many decks, um, that fast, it just becomes like a copy paste, like, okay, just grab 10 card draw, 10 interaction, a few board wipes type of thing, um, without thinking about like the colors actually involved and you're instead just grabbing whatever's there. And so, yeah, exactly kind of like what Jerem said for Mono White, I've started brewing decks that way and then realize uh, the like card draw spells are um, a, a little underwhelming compared to what I would be used to with like blue or green or something like that. And then I'm just kind of like, hmm, well, I don't know what to do now. So I just kind of give up. But that's not the attitude that we should have. You should like change the mindset to account for right. picking cards to go in the deck. So I'm already inspired. So I, I feel like we've, we've kind of talked about this, but I, let's, I, I want to ask this question to you, to you now, Dan. Like, what do you like most about playing these decks? Are these the only two commander decks you have? I mean, I would assume you'd have more. What do you like most about playing these two mono-white decks in, in specific? Um, yeah, so I, I think it's just like, um, again, every, every different color brings different flavor, but I've always really enjoyed Angels. So... Realistically, like, because I built a, an Asaika um, Viking deck, and I've got all the Innistrad sisters in that deck, and then I've got a Shepherd deck that has angels that's um, Karametra. So, like, I've got three decks that you could argue are angel decks, and then I've got angels played in Adeline and the capacity to make angel tokens. So I would, I would say that, a, like, a big part for me is just the... Um, I really like the art that goes along with angels and just the flavor of like just just the big guardian swooping down and saving the day. And yeah, so I, th I think a big part is just for Avison for sure is just I love the lore of Avison and just I mean, it's really interesting. It's like because the the name of that deck is the Church of Avison. And then my Adeline deck, I've called the the Holy Warriors, which is what a Cathar is. And so it's kind of just like, I, I really like the, just, I don't know, the flavor of someone sticking up for someone too weak to stick up for themselves. And so I think um, 
I, I kind of like that storytelling, but then in terms of just gameplay, I really enjoy just um, being able to, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of like a puzzle. It's yeah. decks that have a lot of tutors are fun, but, but they have a tendency to get boring because you tutor for the best cards each game. And so it's like what Alec was saying with how it, it's like, if I'm playing 60 card competitive magic, you've got that deck tuned and it wants to do the same thing every time. And I think commander can have a tendency to feel that way. If you're almost commit too many tutors to a deck where it's like, well, I know that I want to grab X, Y, or Z card and it's going to win me the game. Whereas mono white really like any of the good tutor effects they have are for specific um, things and so I think it, it keeps the, the gameplay diverse. And um, so so it's I think that's why I haven't gotten bored of, of Avacyn is it's sometimes I'll get a couple creatures out, a couple angels out that have really good synergies. But it's mm-hmm. like once every year or two that I'll get them out at the same time again because I don't have a way to mm-hmm. force that to happen without just top decking it. And so it's one of those things where it's like, oh shit, I got I got to do these things because uh-huh. I I drew into it as opposed to like, oh, I have a court of calling, I guess I'll grab Craterhoof again. Like <laughs> it's like both are fun, right? right. But, they're, but they're different. Yeah, I I think that is that's just a big thing for me, and um, I know Jerem and I a lot of times in the past have compared a, a game of Commander to solving a puzzle, like you just said. And that's one thing that I really enjoy um, about Commander is that you'll find yourself in these situations where you kind of have to solve a puzzle in order to get out and, um, uh, yeah, and to figure out how to get out of a situation. And I think the way the both of these decks are set up um, to have kind of like the utility to do that in a lot of different situations is really cool. And I think that that's uh, exactly how I would also want to build my decks. Yeah, I think having, I think it's good to have a general game plan when you sit down with a deck, so you know in what direction you know you want to go. But also, you don't want to be, you know, have the exact same line of gameplay every game because it just makes for stale games. Like, there's not a lot of, you know, okay, well, there is thinking, but it's like it's a different type of thinking. And I think it's, and I, you know, like we're definitely in the same boat where it's more enjoyable to be like, let's you know not tutor for the exact same thing every game. Let's you know, let's just see what happens and try and make solve the problem with the pieces that I have on board or in my hand. And I think that's, uh, you know, it makes for a more interesting story. You know, it's more more fun to watch, more fun to play. Um, and it doesn't take as long because we're not looking through our decks and shuffling all the time. Yeah. <laughs> also true. But, you know, that's, I think that's a whole other conversation we could spend a whole episode talking about. It's just tutors in general. But um, I definitely think uh, you're in, in mono white that, the, the note you've struck with them so far, like it's 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 very flavorful, but also very powerful, which is really cool to see. I love it. So, uh, yeah, I, I want to keep talking about these decks. I guess I'll start what, with the next question that we have, um, which is if other people are looking to build either either Avacyn or Adeline or uh, Mono White Commander in general, um, do you have any advice that you would give them? Um, also asking for myself. Uh, yeah because i want to know seriously (laughs) for me too (laughs) 
Yeah, so I think I think with white in specific, if you want to improve deck building in general, I think white is a great place to test yourself. Um, and the reason being is like, I play the Immortal Sun in Avacyn, and I I took out all the Planeswalkers that I played in that deck because it turns into a non-bow as soon as a Planeswalker's in play with the Immortal Sun. And so it's kind of one of those things where you... Mono White forces you to commit to a strategy and commit harder than I think you normally would in another deck. Um, and so, like, that... Like, obviously, that's just Planeswalkers and the Immortal Sun... But like an example would be like if you've got Mentor of the Meek in my my Adeline deck, that's phenomenal with Adeline. Every time I attack with Adeline, I'm creating three one one humans. So now if I have three open mana, I just drew three cards. Okay. Whereas if I play Mentor of the Meek in Avacyn, well, I can think of like two creatures off the top of my head that are going to trigger Mentor of the Meek. So it's it's now a dead card in my Avacyn deck. And so Adeline really thrives on creatures that have power two or less, and then being able to buff them with like a Thalia's Lieutenant or just typical Anthem effects. Um, and and so I think, I think it's one of those things where you have to, like if you like a card in white, but it doesn't align with, like the general con construction of the deck, you're probably going to have to build a new deck if you really want to play that card. Mm. And so I think that's almost the heartbreaking part of white is, <laughs> it's like finding a home for, it's like, Oh, I've got 20 white cards that I really want to play, but only, only eight of them actually align with the commander I want to build. And so it, I think it, it circles back to that discussion about community that, your your whole deck is a community and needs to be on that same page of like okay so this is our overall goal this is what we're doing so like obviously avison it's like i want to slow down the table with stacks effects because i've got an eight drop commander i want to play a bunch of ramp to get me there faster and then i've got board wipes that i want to um shoot off once avison's at play or i just want a bunch of angel beaters that are I mean, and, and a lot of that's kind of just like flavor reasons that they don't necessarily like they could potentially be changed to be more effective. But but like Adeline is definitely one of them where it's like I'm playing 35 creatures and 30 of them are humans kind of a thing. And so I've got those human synergies where it's like, OK, if you do this with a human, then you'll get this benefit. And so you're you're connecting connecting dots of like, okay, I'm investigating with these two things or these three things. I guess Tamio's journal is now a very viable card draw and tutor engine in mono white because it's like I'm generating two to three clues a turn. So now I don't have to wait three turns to activate Tamio's journal to tutor for any card. And so I know that contradicts what I was talking about with with tutors, of like, oh, it's not super fun to just be able to tutor, but it. I think it's similar to like comparing Avacyn and a board wipe to Cyclonic Rift. 
when you add those extra steps of like, hey, if I do X, Y, and Z, I get to earn a tutor. It makes the tutor kind of feel different as opposed to like, well, yeah, if I have a black and a colorless mana, I can just cast demonic tutor. It's 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 more hoops to jump through, and it requires those synergies to to give you the 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 end effect, so to speak. I think that's fantastic advice and. Um, I really like what you said about um, putting synergies together being even more important in mono white because I think that makes a lot of sense. I know that um, one thing I really enjoy is when you're able to set up an engine in Commander and like put a few cards together to get uh, like value more than the sum of their parts. And um, and I, I can see how in mono white that is something that is more important than than uh, in any other deck because um, like you have all these synergistic pieces but uh, they're not just like going to be like you were saying straight up um, powerful on their own like there's not going to be a three mana draw three cards that you can well okay without some some kind of downsides I guess I shouldn't say that but um, yeah I guess what I'm trying to say is that the synergies here are even more important than they would be in in other decks and I think that's cool and is also, like you were saying, a challenge for the deck builder because it's harder to see those synergies when you're putting the deck together. And it's more about like trying to play it and figure them out and then like looking for cards that fit situations um, that you're in as you're playing. And I really like that. It sounds like a lot of fun. So moving on now to some of the aspects we want to highlight in Mono White. You know, so I'm glad we were able to talk about these decks, Dan, that you've that you've spent a lot of time building. And so now, obviously, Alec and I have gone through these, you know, the card draw, mana ramp interaction, you know, um, and and I feel like we filled in these uh, topics with cards through almost the lens of other colors we're more familiar with. And so I'm curious to get your input and see how you check these boxes in these mono white decks. And so let's let's start off with, uh, with card draw and some of the, some of the card draw that you know, we, we see in typical mono white decks. Yeah. So I think, I think you've got a really solid list. I mean, you've got, and obviously like you've got your, your budget that can affect things like Esper Sentinel and Mangara the Diplomat are, are both very, very good draw engines on their own. But I mean, it's also 10, $12 up is kind of what you're looking at. And so I think I think that's where even just like what we we're just talking about with those value engines of like if you've got if you've got things working together like Cigar to Splendor where it's like okay I've got five or six things in this deck that just gain me life while also serving another purpose I think that like it's it's one of those things where if if you looking looking at white you have to look at it as as a as a whole um it's it's like alec was saying you're you're not going to just have ristic studies just popping off the the where you're like okay i get to just this is phenomenal by itself and i don't have to worry about having two to three other things working with it to make it be mediocre and make it now a good option and so yeah i think um like Monarch is a phenomenal way to draw cards in white. 
But if you're not playing a way to protect yourself or to protect the monarch, now you've enabled card draw for your opponents. And so it, it is one of those things where, it, yeah, like it's a it's one of those weird ones where it's not it's not straightforward card draw. And I think that's why it just gets lopped into the well, white doesn't have good card draw. It's like white doesn't have standalone good card draw for the most part. And so I don't know if that's making sense, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, it totally makes sense. And I, I also wanted to highlight Monarch as a perfect example of this because um, I I like playing a lot of Monarch cards and the best some of the best ones are in white. And so I, I play a lot of them in my uh, Queen Marchesa deck. And even though that's not a mono-white deck, it has access to other colors. Um, I think it's a good comparison just because I have a lot of death touch creatures in that deck and creatures that are really good at blocking. So playing a bunch of these white um, monarch cards like Court of Grace um, and things like that are essentially become uh, Phyrexian arenas for you because people aren't going to attack into the death touchers. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so if, if you're able to set up something like that where you have a really good defense, um, which, you know, we were talking about earlier, white is very good at having a good defense then the monarch can be like a phyrexian arena which is one of the most powerful um, black card draw spells so yeah it's it's kind of like the card draw is there you just kind of have to put it together yourself like it takes a couple more steps or a little bit more work and i I can really appreciate that i think clues are also another thing that yeah um, that you had mentioned that are kind of similar like clues are essentially card draw um, with a little bit extra but it also has synergies. So, you know, if you have like artifact synergies um, or other ways to, to utilize them. Um, one of my favorite cards is Inspiring Statuary, which is really fun with clues because then all of a sudden they can tap for mana. They become mana rocks. Um, so, yeah, if you're making a lot of clues with things like Bygone Bishop or Search the Premises is a new um, enchantment that makes clues, then... Yeah, you can kind of put stuff together like that that becomes really powerful. Well, yeah, yeah, and I think, um, like, Court of Grace, like you said, that one's phenomenal because it helps you protect the monarchy with its other triggers, or it helps you get it back. Um, Talking about clues, though, I think one of the most overlooked is Thorough Investigation. Um, It's the three-drop enchantment that says whenever you attack, you investigate. But then that one has an engine for clues where it says whenever you sacrifice a clue, you venture into the dungeon. So now every time I'm sacking one of my clues, I'm getting added benefits where it's you're getting to scry one or do whatever room you're in in the dungeon. And so it's it gives you that little bit more of a bonus. So now the two mana to draw one doesn't feel as as clunky that's awesome mm. yeah i i think stuff like that is uh it's like not super difficult to put that together it's just a few cards but um it'll feel much more satisfying when you're able to put these engines together and get things rolling in mono white and i mean cards like thorough investigation it's rewarding you for already doing stuff in the like in the game you want to do like attack anyway and so i think it's just a great it could be a, a small engine in, in and of itself, you know? So I think this is, I've never looked at this card twice until now, you know, 
Um, and so I think this is a great option to consider for, for a mono white deck. Because generally, I feel like, I mean, both the mono white decks that you've showed us, the attacking is a, is a core part of how you get to victory. So I think this is a, a great card for sure. While we're on the subject of mono white card draw, I'll just throw out the some of the other cards that I've enjoyed um, that are kind of recent additions to the, this list. Um, and those are Sigarda's Splendor, Welcoming Vampire, and Secret Rendezvous. Um, I think all of those are definitely really solid card draw spells that um, have their places in certain like different decks. Like Not every deck is going to want Welcoming Vampire, similar to how we were talking about Mentor of the Meek earlier, but um, in the decks that do want it, it's going to be a really good card. So let's get into um, one thing that I'm excited to talk about, the next aspect, um, at least as far as the kind of like mechanics of a commander deck goes is uh, Mana Ramp, and Jerem uh, and I did our How to Play Mono Blue episode a few weeks ago, and we kind of uh, got into a discussion about um, which color was the worst at Mana Ramp, um, because there are so many really powerful artifacts that can ramp for any deck, and so like all of those aside, we were trying to compare, and I think at one point it was like white is has always been kind of like memed on as being the worst at mana ramp um but we were actually talking about i think at this point blue is actually much worse than white is just because of the existence of smothering tithe and then to a slightly lesser extent archaeomancer's map what do you think about that dan yeah i i actually agree with that fullheartedly i think that um white and blue compensate with artifacts all the time and so because of how good blue's card draw is, people don't want to acknowledge that if you took away artifacts, they can't ramp at all. Yes, exactly. And, yeah. And, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Whereas like in white, like there's certain effects like Knight of the White Orchid or other effects that true that actually ramp but are dependent on the board state that can be hit or miss, but you still like land tax is a that card doesn't ramp you. But it, if you're able to consistently hit your land drops in white, it's it's it makes a difference. There's an insane yeah. amount of games I've played yeah. with Avacyn because of like land tax, where it will stop triggering, and there's players that are playing green at the table, and I'll be like, why do I have three more lands than you? <laughs> and it's it's just because <laughs> you've been able to fill your your hand with with lands, and so. It's, it's kind of one of those things, I think, circling back to play style, like white wants to go fast if you're playing aggro, but it's not going to be, it's not the same kind of fast. And I think that's where stacks gets involved, like all those little things where white kind of wants to play more of a mid-range game where we're low to the ground at times and trying to go fast, but we're also wanting to just hit land drops and if the game goes long then there's effects that white has that can take over the late game so to speak yeah i think that's really important and um it, there are cards that people forget about that are in white like you said knight of the white orchid and um core cartographer is another one that are just like they're just rampant growths like they're uh more uh, synergistic with white strategy anyway but cards like that i think 
get you a land on the battlefield and then get you a creature there that can synergize with your other kind of like small creature based um, synergy pieces. And so, yeah, I think there's a, a lot of opportunity there uh, for us to like look at the meme that white can't mana ramp and like say that that's false at this point. Um, in 2022, white definitely can mana ramp. Um, and I think land tax is also a whole uh, like interesting case. There's nothing more satisfying than starting a game with land tax because you'll know you'll never be worried about uh, not having yeah. mana for the rest of the game. And I think it can kind of be uh, included in a mana ramp uh, section of a deck because by like, so you're playing Abyssin, by turn eight, if you're land taxing to hit all your land drops, um, it takes eight turns. But I bet even like the green deck drew, uh, like including their starting hand, probably drew a couple uh, lands and... Uh, played a couple rampant growths. They probably only have six or seven lands, and then they've run out at that point. Maybe they've gotten up to eight, but having that reliability, I think, is definitely something that um, is worth considering when uh, when talking about mana ramp. Because at some point, it doesn't really matter. Like when the lands got out, like you were saying in the late game, you can really take over um, as long as you have them at that point. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that hitting hitting your land drops is super important i can't think of the card were you about to talk I, about gift of estates that's the one that i i really enjoy yeah so like gift of estates is similar where it's it's like land tax light um the card that i don't play and it's purely because i do not like the art mm. <laughs> it's such a petty reason but it's <laughs> such a phenomenal card is weathered wayfair um oh yeah that, that card is phenomenal at hitting land drops, but then having a conversation about like utility lands, it's like, okay, so I can just go grab Urza Saga because someone has more lands than me. Like now I'm going to be able to make a couple constructs and then tutor up a soul ring in a couple turns because of because of my opponent ramping past me kind of a thing. And so... Yeah. Utility lands, I think, are, are really important in mono-white as well. Yeah, I, I think that's um, that's one thing that white can take of, like, a really good advantage of. Um, and I don't think we've really talked too much about utility lands in our other How to Play Monocolored episodes. Um, but I, I do want to shout out that Emiria the Sky Ruin is probably, like, one of the strongest... Um, utility Ooh, lands. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. yeah, so it's the land that enters tapped and only adds white, but at the beginning of your upkeep, if you have seven or more planes, you can just straight up uh, reanimate a creature from your graveyard to the battlefield. And I've always enjoyed that one. I think um, it it's definitely best in mono-white because you have enough planes to activate it. And then uh, I know in your Avacyn deck, at least, playing this is fantastic when you have a bunch of really large and scary angels in your graveyard that you can get back out yeah yeah and it's i mean it's even circling back to the hitting the land drops that it's like that land is not good if you're missing land drops and so i think that's where some of some of white's ramp isn't truly ramp so much as white just saying you'll hit your land drops you're just not gonna bypass your opponent's 
with lands. So it's like a weird take on ramp because it's not truly ramp. It's just ensuring you're going to have the mana to cast your spells on time. Right. Which is kind of the main point, right? Like mana ramp is trying to cast big spells a little bit earlier than usual. Um, But it, you know, if it's not reliable, then you're not casting your spells anyway. And that's kind of um, what we're here to do. So I think, yeah, I think that's a really good part of the discussion when it comes to mana ramp. So, yeah, and then uh, we've already talked about card draw and mana ramp, which are the two kind of like hot topics, I think, when it comes to um, when it comes to mono white. And these next two, I think clearly like white is in the top, um, like undisputed champion of these next two sections, which are um, interaction and board wipes. And uh, yeah, so Dan, would you want to start us off with what, what are some of the ways that you... Um, like to play uh, interaction against your opponents in mono white. Yeah, I mean, so um, Path to Exile and Swords to Plowshares, and I think Soul Ring are the only three cards that I have a play set of. Mm. That I, I play though, like, and I try not to just play too many duplicates in all my decks so that decks don't get stale, but I love a one mana remove anything from the game. So, I mean, everyone knows path and swords are phenomenal, but those are in terms of removal, there's just, it, it's just so good that like, it's like when people talk about going to other colors, I have grown so accustomed to those two removal spells yeah. that playing other colors, I'm like, I have to spend three mana to get this effect. Like, what are we doing? This is stupid. And so it's, that's definitely yeah. the, the height of creature removal luxury right there that I, I yeah. love. And True. I think the fact that they exile is just, you know, next level as well. Cause you know, <laughs> this deals with an indestructible Addison. I think there's a lot of indestructible stuff going around Blightsteel Colossus and, you know, stuff like that. And just for one mana at instant speed, like, all your problems will go away, which is just, which is just so so efficient, and so I think it definitely is a spot for mono white to really to really shine for sure. I think the other ways that mono white shines in this area as well is uh, one thing that Dan, I'm sure you haven't had to struggle with in the past, but that uh, as we've talked about other colors, this has definitely come up, um, where they're just permanent types that other colors can't interact with very easily. Like, white um, has all these cards that can, uh, like, we talked about some that remove creatures, um, but they also have very cheap and very efficient spells that get rid of artifacts, enchantments, um, planeswalkers, generous gift gets rid of anything, and, uh, yeah, and I think that's one thing to highlight is that white is not worried about any specific types of things, Um, you know, whereas, like, black will be scared to play against um, an enchantment and uh, yeah, and other things like that. So definitely top tier as far as getting rid of specific things go. It's very good at uh, getting rid of everything. So something that I wanted to, to talk about is recently, you know, we've um, this section when we talked about our other colors and we've always called it removal. However, I, I think calling it interaction is, is, a bit more uh, encapsulating of what especially mono white can do. And there's a couple cards that I, that we've already talked about that I also want to highlight here that do a great job at 
they don't remove anything per se, but they have a really strong influence on a board state. And um, obviously, one that we've talked about is Avis and Angel of Hope. I think that's a great example. It's not going to, it's not a board wipe. It's not going to remove anything. But the way it interacts with all of your board, and like we talked about, like just giving your quote unquote community all indestructible, like it just, it prevents anyone else from interacting with your board. And so I think because of that, it's a strong interaction piece. And so I think when you consider in that light as well, it, white just gets even better because there's so many other cards with similar effects like, uh, you know, um, what was it? Selfless Spirit, where it's just for two mana, you can sacrifice it and give everything indestructible for a turn. Like just, just stuff like that where it's just, again, you're not interacting with the board, but you know, it's, you people have to play around it, you know? So I think it's a, definitely a strong feature of Mono White. Yeah, I, I fullheartedly agree. I think that that encapsulates perfectly um, just the conversation about protection and White wanting to protect that Teferi's protection doesn't say counterspell on it, but when someone plays a Cyclonic Rift, I'm now turning it into a counterspell where it's like, I'm actually going to not be participating in these events. I'm not a fan of that. And so it obviously doesn't apply to every situation, but yeah, like exactly what you're saying, where if you're able to bypass other people's interaction or to just protect yourself from other people's interaction, you're, it's, it's pseudo interaction. I think that's a, a, a perfect description. Yeah. Another good one that I, I'm, I've become a big fan of is Luminous Brood Moth, where um, that's whenever a creature you control without flying dies, return it to the battlefield with a flying counter on it. And I've, I've had this card out, and it really warped a whole game because all of my opponents, they just refused to cast any, any board wipe to deal with my board because then it would just give everything I controlled flying. And so people didn't want to play around that. And so even just the... The mental toll it has on the board state even like you know avacyn selfless spirit these similar cards with similar effects like i think it just you get an effect before it you even get the effect which is i think a really powerful way to play around if you you know know how to really you know sway the politics in your favor which is a fun way to again it's another mind puzzle to, <laughs> to put on your opponents so it's just a fun way to you know change in a change a game for sure yeah, I mean, I was just kind of like glancing through um, our list of board wipes, and I don't even, uh, I'll, I'll pick like my one favorite, because just our list of board wipes, there's like 20 cards here, and these are all easily, like, as far as the whole game goes, top tier board wipes that I would be happy to play, um, and uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know what else there is to say about that, but I, I want to throw out that Vanquish the Horde is currently my favorite, I think. Um, it only destroys all creatures, but it can... Uh, most of the time, it'll only cost two mana, and I think that's really cool. It's kind of like a Blasphemous Act um, type deal. So I'll throw that one out as my favorite, but what about you, Dan? Um, Settle the Wreckage is by far my favorite. Mm. Um I only play one copy of it because it it I used to play it so much that and it still will show up where I'll have four mana open and all people will start discussing like oh I don't know if I want to attack Dan because he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna ruin my day um, yeah 
and it's it's just a a card that I think it's overlooked um, because it's not a conditional board wipe. You or unconditional. It is a conditioned. I don't know. Words are hard. Um, yes. <laughs> it's uh, definitely it's a it's a board wipe that it requires your opponents being scary to be good. And that's not really a pleasant deck building thought. You you usually don't build a deck being like, yes, yes. this card's going to be good because my opponent's going to kill me. <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's, it's not a, a intuitive line of thinking. But then at the same time, it's like, well, I also play Craterhoof Behemoth in one of my other decks. So like, it's, it's like it, people are going to try to kill me through combat damage. And so like cyclonic rift is phenomenal, but people can also rebuild from cyclonic rift outside of CDH. Yeah. Like if you're playing more casual people, people will get to rebuild. Whereas settle the wreckage. It's like, yeah, I'll give you lands, but whatever I'm getting rid of, I'm getting rid of from the game. It's that same conversation about path and swords where it's like, if someone's swinging with indestructible creatures, it's like, well, you just don't have them anymore. And I, I think that that's why I like that one so much. Yeah, that's my, yeah. one of my favorite types of cards to play are just those, you've activated my trap card effects. Like <laughs> yeah. we, when we had our uh, kind of like 2021 wrap up slash anniversary episode um, last month, I chose Ink Shield as my favorite card from last year, and it's the same vibes as Settle the Wreckage. It's uh, like your opponent has full sent their like alpha strike at you. Um, everything looks like it's about to end, and then all of a sudden you play this card that completely flips things around. I love it when that happens. It always uh, gives you a really cool story from the game, too. Looking at all the, the rest of these board wipes that you know, we've talked about, like there's I mean, white definitely gives you a whole sweep of, of possibilities, you know, spanning mana costs and stuff, you know, from Fumigate to Winds of Abandon. I think there's just, there's quite a bit that just makes it so versatile. And, you know, I mean, especially like, like Austere Command, you know, and Cleansing Nova, those are ones that just, you know, can hit multiple things. And so having that flexibility is just so, it's so good. And so I think, you know, that's definitely why Wano White is one of the contenders for, some of the best board wipes in, you know, in the commander format for sure. It's true. I think those are kind of like the things that we wanted to hit on that we usually hit uh, talking about the other colors. But Dan, do you have any other thoughts or anything else that you want to discuss when it comes to um, building and brewing and playing mono white commander decks? Um, I think, I think we've touched on everything. I think just an important thing, um, with white is to just remember that it's got kind of strengths that are pretty unique to itself. Like with the new comic old spoilers, there's that blue spell that phases stuff out. And I was actually pretty mad that that's a blue card. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's, yeah. I mean, not that that doesn't fit into blue, but that's an effect that like, I personally don't think people are going to play because blue doesn't care about that. It's, it's a card that, like, will just sit on the weight, go to the wayside, whereas me, it's like, oh, okay, if I can have an effect similar to that where it's just like, oh, I'm just going to phase my my stuff out, like Guardian of Faith, or just you've, you've got effects that, like, we're talking about board wipes, 
there's a there's a plethora of ways to turn board wipes one-sided and white because you're able to just protect your own stuff from the those negative consequences and so i think um it's important to i think remember that there's that element that isn't super prevalent in other colors or if it is i'm probably mad about it like <laughs> like like heroic intervention i'm like a johnny is a white based planeswalker why is that a green card <laughs> <laughs> yes so it's these are these are the real questions we need to be asking <laughs> yeah i'm like you don't need to give me card draw or ramp you just need to stop printing heroic intervention in green <laughs> yeah green green once again uh becomes the absorbs effects from all the other colors color yeah um but yeah i'm, I'm right on board with with you in in that like thinking about the flavor uh but maybe like a step above flavor the kind of like um, uh, direction that a color takes you and then just like going along with it and finding synergies there I think is going to be really important for people building mono white decks so one thing I want to mention before we we conclude here is even though I, I struggle with mono white mono white has two of my favorite all-time cards ever and I just want to mention those because I think they deserve a little bit of love and I think they're a lot better than people give them credit for um, and also, you know, if you have any mono white pet cards that you want to share with us, Dan, feel free to do so as well. But the two that, that I wanted to shout out is number one, true conviction. Uh, this is an enchantment mm. that I think just puts in some serious work. It's, it's a little expensive. It's three generic and then white, 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 but it says creatures you control have double strike and lifelink, which, uh, in Whenever I'm able to, you know, cast this and get it down onto the board, it immediately uh, just makes my whole army twice as lethal and gives me a ton of life. And so I think it's just such an amazing card and so awesome that I, you know, I think it's worth shouting out here, even though it doesn't fit into any one of these above categories. So do you have any experience with this card, Dan? Is this one that you're familiar with? Yeah, it's uh, it's in my Adeline deck. It's one of my uh, top end finishers. Perfect. Oh, yes. Okay, that makes me happy. So, um, and this next one, unfortunately, I, I don't think it sees very much play at all, but I'm just going to manifest this type of energy to the universe because I want this to be a tribe. And that is Sacred Mesa. So, Sacred oh, yes. Mesa is also, it's also an enchantment. It's too generic and a white. It says, during your upkeep, sacrifice a Pegasus or sacrifice Sacred Mesa, and then you can pay one and a white put a Pegasus token into play, treat this token as a 1-1 white creature with flying. So I, Pegasus Tribal is something I've tried to force for so long and it's been really difficult to make happen. But um, having Sacred Mesa out to just bump out an army of, of flying Pegasi just is one of my all-time favorite things to do in some of my decks. And so again, a really quirky card, but we're talking about mono white, so I have to give this one a mention. And hopefully the universe oh. will hear me and print more sacred mesas or more Pegasus cards. Yeah. I mean, I have a buddy that used to play that in their Trostani deck. So I, yeah, Ooh. that's a, that's a fun one. <laughs> yes. I love that. Oh, that makes me so happy. Okay. That's I, glorious. I love this idea. I, I want to follow it up with uh, one of my favorite white, like pet cards. Um, mm -hmm. And that's sublime archangel, which speaking of angels, this episode um, and the reason for that is this was 
I I believe this was the first mythic rare I ever opened in a pack when I kind of was like first getting started. Um, I can't mm-hmm. quite remember if that is true or not, but it's like the one I have the most vivid memory of opening and being like, oh my god, I just opened a mythic rare. Um, and yeah, so that's a card I've always been like testing in decks and playing in decks and um, right now I have it in a deck and it's a lot of fun. It's um, it's the one that's two white white for a 4-3 flyer with Exalted and it says other creatures you control have Exalted. So it gets pretty intense when you have a really big board of a lot of creatures and then you just swing in with one and they like sense of community. They all buff up the one creature that's going in for the oh, kill. Oh, okay. So That's yeah, so cool. It fits right in and this is definitely one of my favorite cards that I have been forcing since uh 2012 <laughs> heck yeah what about you dan do you want to wrap things up with one of your favorite pet cards i mean i i like a lot of cards in white clearly um but i think probably one of my all-time favorites because it's one of the first cards i owned is uh selfless squire mm. um Ooh, okay yeah i, like I had a i had a buddy swing out at me for like over 100 damage it's one of those janky <laughs> table hot tabletop <laughs> moments and being able to crack back for over 100 damage with a single <laughs> creature is just it's just it's just satisfying <laughs> chef's kiss yeah definitely. yeah oh wow that's glorious i love that i definitely think this is something we need to add to <laughs> the remaining colors we have alec for and honestly go back and add in some of our pet cards for each of the colors because i think it it goes to show that each color, you know, has some really just fun little spicy cards that you know we are worth a uh, worth mentioning, even if they don't exactly fit into one of the core, you know, pillars of Commander, as as yeah. you will. But um, but I'm not gonna lie. Over the course of this episode, I've been a extremely motivated to build a mono white Commander, and b my entire perspective of a mono white has changed, and so I think. Dan, I think you just did such a great job of really guiding the conversation to make it seem that mono white is like, no, it's it's not a bad color. It's just you need to change your perspective on it. And so I really am grateful for your insight and knowledge on the color and because it's just been it's been a great episode for sure. Thank you so much. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I could uh, come on and talk talk about it. I definitely hope to see you uh, across the table at some point and especially face down one of your Innistrad themed mono white decks. It seems like honestly quite a challenge that I'm excited to take on at some point. Yeah, I look forward to it. Well, again, Dan, thank you so much. We really appreciate all your help on this episode. As always, to all of our fellow listeners out there, thank you for coming and joining us here on the Fairy Conclave as we continue the series of exploring each of the colors in Magic. And uh, for those who are not aware, we have a Discord where you can come and join and talk all things magic, spoilers, games, uh, with a really fun community there. And then please also come follow us and like us on Instagram and Twitter, where we do our giveaways and we release all of our content. So thank you, everyone, for all of your love and support. Welcome to the Clave, you new members out there, and we'll catch you all later. Have a good one. <laughs>